Welcome to Real Estate Talk, where we share everything about real estate and home life. Hey, thanks for tuning in to this week's show, and be sure to rate and subscribe to hear the latest episode. Welcome back to this week's episode of Real Estate Talk, and today we have Kim Stanley in the house. Kim is a treasure trove of financial product knowledge, and I always find her so fascinating, and I always pick up some awesome financial tips when I'm around her. So she's the founder of Kim Stanley Insurance, which is a benefits and risk management firm, and her clients are small to mid-sized organizations, as well as individuals that are looking for different types of um, insurance products like life, health, disability, and long-term. And we're going to get into talking about some of these types of insurance and why they're so important for you. But let me give you a little bit of background about Kim. So she got her Bachelor of Science in Education, and she's acquired many, many, many industry awards and designations that are all related to insurance and financial services that she's been in over 29 years. So she, like I said, she's a treasure trove of information here. She grew up in rural Oklahoma and she has a really rich and colorful background. She has um, been, she has the experience and knowledge to talk to us today about all kinds of things when you're planning your legacy. So Kim, I want to thank you for joining us today at Real Estate Talk. Good morning, Zelda, and all her amazing listeners. Thank you very much for including me in today's podcast. And I'm looking forward to answering all your questions and helping to educate your audience. Awesome, because we're going to be educated today. So, that's right. So, let me start off by saying, I know you didn't just fall into insurance. So, tell us a little bit about your background and how you got into insurance. It is a crazy journey, and so I think I was destined to do what I do, which is why I've been doing it for 29 years. So my background is my father passed away when I was young, and from that experience, it has taught me the value that everyone needs to have when they're doing financial planning. In other words, update your legal documents so that if you have young kids or disabled children or disabled parents, you get the trust put into place to take care of everybody so that when life occurs, there aren't any hiccups and your wishes are followed even though you are deceased. And that's important to protect your children and your disabled children and parents. And that's another part of the planning process, but it's imperative that people do that. Well, when you, before you buy a product, you have to find the right advisor or consultant for these services. So what's the best way to go about finding the right person? Um, Yes, you can ask your friends, who do you use and all that, but how do you really find out? Are there some good questions that you should ask and how do you find the right person? I think the best way to vet is to really just sit down and have a talk with someone and really see what their experience level is. Not necessarily just the education, but you wanna know how long have they been doing this? And most importantly to me, do they apply it to themselves? So in other words, if they want you to do financial planning and get on track and plan your future, are they doing it for themselves? 
And once you sit with someone and let them speak, you'll determine if they're following the same guidance that they're suggesting you do. Because they'll say things like, I do this or I do that. Because you're not going to just say, by the way, are you following this advice? So I guess it's by the questions you ask them. It is. And we all get duped. And that's the challenge. Sometimes in life we get tired. And an example, I had my securities license for 27 years and I gave it up a couple of years ago. And so with the market, I'm very aggressive and have been paying attention, but I got tired and started questioning my personal abilities. So I spoke with a gentleman a couple of months ago and signed paperwork to turn over all my brokerage accounts. And then after the fact, I did a FINRA report search, which any consumer can do. And FINRA disclosed to me how he had had a lot of judgments against him in his early career and that he was currently in bankruptcy. Uh, So for me, I don't want a financial advisor that's in bankruptcy be touching my money and making decisions because that's when oops can occur. Not that they would have, but it's always best for you to pay attention and do a research with your Florida, like we're in Florida, Department of Insurance and find out are there any complaints filed? And if so, were they justified? Just so whomever you're dealing with, you are comfortable with. That's good advice. Definitely do your background check. So you find the right insurance person, you get along, they check out, they're fine. What's the first product they should buy? I always, I mean, for me, it was, you know, besides your auto insurance and those types of things, it was health insurance. But where do you start? Young person, young person. Just As a now. young person that has just, let's say they just purchased a home from Zelda. Yes. they should. <laughs> so I think that now they are, since they're a homeowner, it's time for them to turn around and start planning for their future. Mm-hmm. With that, you need all the safety nets in place. And that would be life insurance. In the event something happens, you want the mortgage paid off to take care of your loved ones. I don't like what goes with mortgages. They call it um, mortgage protection insurance. Yes. And it's basically just term insurance that as you pay down your mortgage, then the death benefit decreases as well, even if the cost stays the same or increases going forward. So it's in your best interest to shop it, use a true broker, someone not aligned with one specific carrier, And then you just look at 10, 20, 30 year term. And that way the death benefit stays the same cost and the price will stay the same cost over that duration as well. So if I'm not mistaken, when you buy these types of policies, what happens is you're in the home. Unfortunately, you pass away. The home is paid for. If the person that inherits the asset chooses to then pay off the mortgage. So it works different ways depending what's going on in someone's world, but at least they get that pot of money, then they can choose to pay off the mortgage. Or if they've truly just got a mortgage that two, three, four percent, maybe financially it makes more sense to invest that lump sum, take the dividends to continue paying the mortgage. So there's at least it gives the survivor options so that they don't lose the house because they cannot afford to make the mortgage payments. Brilliant suggestion. It's like, I never even thought, don't use the money to pay off the house. Just invest it in a better return for your money. 
It all depends on someone's comfort zone, but at mm-hmm. least the survivor has options mm-hmm. as well as uh, extra money then to take care of. They had young kids that'll mm-hmm. help pay the kids private tuition or get them through college or daycare or sports or whatever. whatever you That's need. all you're trying to do is get a pot of money to be able to have options later on in life when oops occurs. Yeah. So what other kinds of insurances do you recommend? The other kind I recommend is disability insurance. Mm-hmm. And that's one that in the event something happens, then I'm not able to work. It'll give me a pot of money until I'm able to get back up on my feet. And if I'm never able to get on my feet, then it'll get me through until Social Security disability kicks in. And if it doesn't integrate, then I would have both pots of money coming in. So that's imperative to me. And for those that have an employer, Our W-2 employees, a lot of times their employer has the group policy that they can get if the employer doesn't provide it to them. So it's something to consider to look at so that when life occurs, then you don't lose your house because you're not able to have money coming in to pay that mortgage. And that's where the short-term disability will assist. When it runs out, you could consider long-term disability that'll take you to age 65 or longer. It all just depends on what's offered through your employer and what you can financially afford. Interesting. Now, I also know um, not much about it, but can you tell us a little bit about how you can use your IRA as an insurance policy? That is the coolest thing ever. And we are discussing more the Roth IRA. Okay. And so to me, I think everybody should do that as well. And when I am young, it doesn't matter really what age I'm at in my earlier stages, the sooner you start, the better. So how it works, that is going to be your slush fund throughout your life. So the government says, okay, you can put away for 19 is $6,000. You open up your account and you put in $6,000 and you're after five years of contributing. Then if anything happens in my world where I become disabled or I have a lot of medical bills or the AC just went out in my house, whatever happens, I can get into my Roth IRA penalty free and without taxes. And so you have to own the account for five years and it's the first contribution, not the last. So anything that's considered your basis in your Roth IRA, that's your money to use throughout your lifetime so that that is your slush slush fund because the advisors tell you to have six months of living expenses set aside in the event life happens. This way, that's your slush fund. You can have it invested in the market, mutual fund stocks, ETFs, whatever your choice, or just having it sit in a bank account, which I would advise no, with inflation you'll lose. But if you're invested in the market over time, then you've got opportunities to use that money as you choose going forward. If it's a child's education, if it's a vacation, whatever you want to do, that's your pot of money. After age 59 and a half, then everything in there is 100% tax-free. So that's why you want to go ahead and do that as young as you can start, even for a grandchild or your children, as long as they have earned earnings and that's W-2 or self-employment. And you mentioned, you mentioned earnings 
And you, so what I thought was so fascinating when I was looking up some information and you were giving me information, you said, it doesn't matter. I mean, a five-year-old can open up a lemonade stand and now they have, now they have earnings. Correct. And that's just getting with your CPA to go ahead and file the appropriate tax return for your under 18 child or grandchild. And it's really cool because if you can get them started really young, there is no reason they Uh are not millionaires in this lifetime. And so it's a way to break the cycle if we come from poverty. And a lot of times you see it perpetuated going forward. This is a way to break the cycle and make sure that our kids, grandkids are millionaires and just teach them how to manage the money and how to respect it so that they get ahead someday and have options when they get tired in life. I always say it you know, 6,000 is the limit per year. But if all you can put is a thousand or 500 start, you just got to start somewhere so that you get in the habit. I know my son always says that to me. It's like, you just get in the habit of putting stuff away. Then as you make more money, you'll be able to put more away because you're in the habits. Very true. And they always say to pay yourself first because we can live paycheck to paycheck and never have enough money. But if you can get used to putting it aside, and that is your someday slush fund. It's really kind of sexy when you get older to look at your brokerage account and say, oh my gosh, I got money. (laughs) Well, I can be self-reliant that I'm not dependent on anyone for financial care. And that way we maintain our grace and dignity as we age because we know that we were frugal and did the right thing so that we can take care of ourselves without being a burden on someone. That's true. Because that's the last thing we want is to have our kids have to take care of us. Correct. Correct. So you've got the IRA working for you. We've got these different documents. What are, there's so many legal documents out there that are important for us to have uh, in place so that the if the, as you call it, the oops happen or you become disabled or whatever, what other legal documents do you recommend? I think it is best if you work with an attorney Mm -hmm. for those that cannot financially afford it. You can download documents on the internet, but it doesn't necessarily make them correct. And the scary thing is that if you have any type of assets whatsoever and you die without a will in place, then your heirs have to go through the state and then an attorney is appointed and you go through probate. And that can take two plus years, depending on the size of the estate, and it will eat it up because the attorney has to be paid. So I think the cool thing is anybody that's a W-2 employee, a lot of times your employers have health insurance in place or voluntary products. So United Healthcare has just rolled out where any of their membership can get a free legal document. And you can log into the site and it's a do-it-yourself type thing, or you can get an extreme discount using their people. Um, But United is providing that principle, gives that automatically with a lot of their products, having the dental insurance life, whatever they're voluntary. So you can check through your employer if they offer voluntary products. A lot of times there's always those do-it-yourself legal documents you can put into place. So for me, having something's better than nothing at all. So you want to have the will and the durable power of attorney and the health proxy, all the things in the event something happens. So whoever my heir is can step in and 
have those pieces of paper so that everything is done correctly and there there's not an oops. Can you address to our audience a little bit about a trust and how that works? That is one that necessarily isn't needed unless you really have substantial assets because of the cost of setting up a trust. But what a trust does, it's arm's length. In other words, anything I've got would be owned by the trust. And then you have to have a trustee of the trust. And then the trustee oversees all your assets that are in that trust and how to dole out the money to your heirs. So that having a trust isn't necessarily needed, but it's, it is when you have, let's say I have a child that's ex- disabled and will always be disabled. I would want to have a special needs trust in place so that all the assets are owned by the trust. So my child has nothing so that they will continue to get social security disability as well as the Medicare health insurance. And that is the piece that is so important because if you have any assets, then they will deem you pay for it yourself. So that's why the trust is the owner so that technically my child is indigent Mm -hmm. and will continue to get social security disability and the health insurance piece. Now, something else that I saw that was interesting, um, a friend was sharing with me their will. And in their will uh, was a, a sentence or two about taking care of their pets. And that is so interesting. I bet that's growing because it everybody's is. pets are their family. It is. And I've got three friends that are attorneys and do estate planning, and they've incorporated that into their practice. And so for a lot of us, our pets are truly our fur kids. And that is important that if I'm not here, who's going to take care of my animals tomorrow? Because sometimes when someone does pass away, the relatives will step in and don't want to be bothered. And then that animal gets dumped at a shelter. Mm -hmm. And so when you have the pet trust, you put the assets or some of the assets into the trust. And again, you'll have the trustee, somebody in charge of that pot of money. And how are they going to take care of your pets? And Doris Day did that on hers. And there's several people that I have known that have done that. And it makes sense so that our animals are taken care of going forward. It's like there's a pot of money to take care of their vet bills and all their feeding. And or you pay some, somebody gets paid to take care, take care of the of animals, depending mm-hmm. what's the size of your estate. But there's been a lot where you hear millions and millions go into the pet trust. So whoever the trustee is, is going to make sure that they do the right thing because they're getting paid and have access to get paid. So they'll make sure the pet's taken okay. care of. That's pretty cool, I think. So I for too. all of us pet lovers. I know, I agree. I, I think agree. that's pretty great. So tell me a little bit about um, long-term health care. What does it cover and how, what's involved with that? Long-term care is an interesting product and has been out, I want to say, 15 or 20 years now. And so when it was first rolled out, um, the older policies are more stringent. I don't care for them as I do for the new ones. The old ones said, okay, we'll pay in the event something happens to you, but you have to be hospitalized and you have to be in there for so many days before we give you a penny. The newer ones say, nope, it's cheaper for you to stay home. We'd rather you stay home. So there's different types of products out there, different bells and whistles. For me, I bought mine when I was in my early 30s. 
because I took care of my mother 27 years and was a single mom to my daughter. And so I knew if something happened to me, I needed a pot of money to provide for my care. So what you'll do, the policy will pay for you to stay at home, adult daycare, assisted living or nursing home. And so it just gives you that pot of money. It also, I don't necessarily do all the bells and whistles or the latest and greatest, the richest. For me, I'd rather have something than nothing. Mm -hmm. And so you've got that pot of money to use. And when it runs out, then you could, depending what your assets are, you may have to now pay out of pocket. Or if you did Medicaid planning with an attorney, then in turn, while I was on my long-term care policy, then they will have a seven-year look-back period. So they're going to say, okay, for the last seven years, you would have needed to pay for everything yourself after that. Then going forward, you're fine. You are indigent now. You don't have anything. So the government will step in. The state steps in and will pay for your care in a long-term care facility. The cool thing, if let's say I have a long-term care policy, I get Alzheimer's and I'm in the last stages and it's really bad. I can be in the best long-term care facility. Now, all of a sudden, I'm out of money. Well, if planning was done correctly, now all of a sudden Medicaid will kick in and I can stay in that bed, in that long-term care facility. They can't kick me out Mm -hmm. because I ran out of money. Now, all of a sudden, they have to turn it into a Medicaid bed. So that is the cool thing. I can be in the best place ever. And then once I run out of money, I get to stay there because then the other side of the house will kick in. That's interesting. Very interesting. So I know that some people can't qualify for life insurance. And what options do they have? So a creative solution on that one is we could consider even um, for those that are truly uninsurable, You can try through a brokerage house and look at every carrier. You can look at a combination policy that's long-term care life. Sometimes the underwriting is a little nicer on that one. If you are truly 100% uninsurable and I want something, a creative solution I've had my clients do is to open up accounts at various credit unions. And the reason you do that, I can open a savings account for, say, $5. A lot of times they'll give me free life insurance. It may just be $500 or $1,000, but I can have accounts at five credit unions. So when you add up the life insurance, it's not costing you anything because it's a benefit for being a member at the credit union. Then at least you'll have a little bit of pot of money to help your heirs pay for your cremation or your burial going forward. That's true. I never really thought about that. Even some of the um, auto associations. Correct. You, you're, you're a member. Here's $1,000 of a life insurance policy. It's $1,000. It's not a lot, but it's something. It's something. And it adds yeah. up if you have enough pots yeah. opened all around town. Yeah. And what I also strongly suggest is everyone get all their documents done. And then if you have any kind of assets whatsoever, you can make an Excel spreadsheet and you type everything on it. And that way um, you can update it once a year. So upon your demise, whomever your heir is, has that one reference sheet to pull, look at, go, so nothing is lost. Because when a life insurance policy is lost, they say you're able to go 
to a place and ask, well, generally that's only for all the major carriers. There may be a little carrier that got bought out five, six, seven times, and then the policy's lost and you may never, your heirs may never get that money. So while everything is good, then put it all on a spreadsheet so you know where everything's at and you can be organized and then it's nothing to update and maintain once a year. It takes you 15, 20 minutes. And in addition to that, I always say, once you've put it on your Excel spreadsheet, tell these heirs where it's at, show them where it's at. I mean, what's the secret? It's like, give it to them, show it to them, discuss it with them. Don't wait till like you're on TV and there's you're going to go to the lawyer's office and they're going to give you this will reading. Go ahead and share it with these heirs ahead of time so that they really understand your wishes and can ask you questions and, and so forth. So I, I tell, tell my kids all the time, it's on the computer and it's also in my files and it's also with the lawyer and tell them who the lawyer is. So I went a step further. I emailed the spreadsheet to my daughter. Okay. And on the spreadsheet, I even listed who all the advisors were from CPA to attorney to, you know, just everything on there so that they know everything. Yeah. Um, So if life does happen, they're going to be overwhelmed and not able to breathe. And you just want when life happens, when it happens, correct. So you're just going to want them to be able to have that as Mm -hmm. a reference point. Mm -hmm so that everything's okay. Right. Well, any last words, no pun intended? (laughs) (laughs) The other that I would suggest, because most of us do have health insurance before life does happen, make sure that you understand your policy. Also, go ahead and figure out who the nearest urgent care center is that's in network. Always try to stay in network. There's a lot of Um, billing mistakes being made right Mm -hmm. now. So you need to, anytime there is a claim, go on to your provider's website and look at the explanation of benefits. And if there's something you don't understand, call the carrier, question everything because the carriers make mistakes as well. And that way you're paying attention to what you're being charged. When you're in the state of Florida, if you have an HMO, let's say I go and they say, okay, your insurance company paid $100, you paid us 100 but there's still 300 left you need because our normal fees are $500. In the state of Florida, balance billing is not allowed. That changed last year, I believe, with a new statute. So everybody just needs to pay attention to the billing to make sure whatever they owe is correct. Very good advice. Wow. Great information. So, Kim, if our listeners need to reach you, how are they going to get in touch with you? That is easy. They can give me a phone call at 904-247-6752. Say that again. 904-247-6752. Okay. Or they can reach me via email, kim at kimstanleyinsurance.com. Great. Oh, wow. Wasn't that some awesome information? So, Kim was here and she's giving you her information on how you can contact her for all of your insurance needs. I'm, she is just a wealth of information. So make sure that when you're listening to this episode, don't forget to subscribe and share Real Estate Talk and tune in every Tuesday for a new episode because we have a great lineup of guests planned for you. And don't forget, if you know someone who's looking to buy or sell a house, contact me because I'm happy to answer any of those questions and send them our book, 14 Days to Sold. So until next week, this is Zelda. Have a great week.